You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live streamed services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Let's go ahead and pray this morning as we walk into this. Father, we just thank you this morning for where this, this teaching has been taking us. And Father, we're believing that we learn information that we can apply. And I just thank you that by the Holy Spirit, you teach us what we need to learn this morning. Teach us how to apply these principles in our life. And teach us really, Lord, how to become better represent, representatives of who you are through us. I give you glory and praise for this church, for our ministry and Everyone that's involved, thank you for our online church. We call everyone in this room blessed in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. All right, so before we start, I'm going to ask Mr. Garza. Bam, put him on the spot now. He's been waiting for this for three weeks. I keep saying, this week, this week, this week. But, um, so before I, I know you come up here, let me get this mic ready for you. Um, we're going to use a handheld. The reason I, you know, I wanted H to come up here a little bit, and you know, of course, he's a you know, pastor, friend of mine for many, many years. But he, you know, he, he brings the, the science edge to it, I guess. That's what I'm looking. Because one of the things that, throughout this teaching, and him and I had a short conversation over this, of, of all the things that we can bring, I think one of the biggest things that we just got to keep hitting and hitting and hitting is that somehow mental health is not as important as any other kind of health. And the stigma that has attached to it, and because the stigma, a lot of people are not, you know, finding the help either spiritual or biological or any other way. So anyhow, ta-da, go for it, H. Now just leave me a few minutes to preach, all right? Okay. No, no, I won't be long, but I, I did bring notes. No, no, I did bring notes. Worse than you thought. Um, good morning. Wow, that was lame. All right, so um, I was thinking about <clears throat> I was thinking about you know what what we could say you know pastor's done a, a really good job of of covering uh, a lot of the uh, well just call it life the way we have to live it today um, and I'm, I'm personally I'm glad that he um, you know that he's covering the mental health topic because uh, with the price of eggs it's a lot more expensive to get you know some limpias or whatever so Okay, well, the lame, the lame hello got, oh, this is a Mexican church, hello? Anyway, no, but um, it's a joke grenade that went off three seconds later. Alrighty, but no, um, the, what I wanted to talk about, though, um, <clears throat> I'm going to kind of back up a little bit into, into something, and, and that is, um, if you look around, in my opinion, um, the attack that's coming at us today worldwide is got one name attached to it. Well, besides the devil, right? Um, and that name is identity. Um, everyone's identity is being is being attacked. Um, and I guess to say, I, I got to pick on somebody a, a little bit older. 
Um, all right. So I want to get you to fight me. Not here. With a, don't get weird. <clears throat> what kinds of things do I attack? And I, I say older guys for a reason. Um, if I, you know, just tell me yes or no. If I come after this, I'm walking on dangerous ground. If I come after your family? Yep. Gentlemen? Yes. All right. Okay, what if I came after uh, your faith? What if I came after your kids? Yes. What if I came after... I mean, there's, we start talking about these things that are that, you know, in other words, what, what would get you, you know, let's say everybody here, all the guys are fairly reasonable and, and, you know, good guys most of the time, but we all have that limit where, you know, that, that, that limit is there. What I'm going to tell you is that every single thing that we can mention, you know, um, that is what's under attack. You know, if you look at the younger generation, if I went into a school right now, there's, you're not going to find that thing. You know, what if I attack your family? What family? Yeah. You know, you look at, I mean, when was the last time, you know, minus the last couple of years, go back and this, you know, somebody killing their parents or a parent killing their kids, that was something that would be really, really unusual. Now it's on the news so often that nobody even, like it hardly makes the news anymore. What about, you know, what about faith? Again, <laughs> you go back in history and you have the Crusades, which was all centered uh, around, you know, one faith over another. Most kids today don't, don't even have any faith. Well, you know, it's not really real. And so what I'm getting at here is that, is that now it's already under attack. In other words, one of the most important questions we all answer when we're little kids in our formative years and all that stuff is a real basic one. Who am I? What is my place in this world? And all of that is under attack. To where, I mean, so I grew up in the 80s. Yes, I know that makes me old. I was watching a movie the other day and, you know, and I realized that when I was born, uh, when I was born, World War II was as far away from me as my kid's birth is to me right now. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, if you'd have asked me, the World War II would have been like way in the past. It was only 20 years before I was born. But even still, you know, um, I, I feel like I personally, I'm a very patriotic person. I'm obviously a person who, who um, feels very strongly about family. And even, you know, more than that, because I'm Hispanic, well, then my extended family, you know, you only stand it. There's a really small window where you can come after one of my extended family and it not get the same reaction as my immediate family. That's just how things used to be. And, and that is under attack now. And so what happens is we find ourselves, we find ourselves, and then, uh, you know, I, I think about kids most because, well, that's where I, I spend most of my time. But, you know, that question of who am I, where do I fit in, where do I belong, that is totally under attack. And it seems like the only bad answers to those questions 
are the ones that we grew up with. You know, uh, if you jump up and down and you say, you know, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm a proud Mexican, you know, I'm a proud Cuban. Nobody says anything. You say, I'm a proud American and people kind of, they wince now because that's under attack here. You know, I mean, I'm not even going to go into what happens. I mean, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine what happens, you know, uh, because even in my lifetime, it's not weird, you know, for somebody to say, uh, to say things that now would get, would get, you know, a strange look. Because it's like I said, the things that we used to be proud of, I mean, it's like I said, um, I always felt like it was, it was unusual that most of the time when America went to war, it was usually to help out somebody else. You know, uh, those kind of things. Now, is the, is the country perfect? No. But it's like I said, everything that we put our, everything that we put our value system in is under attack. Okay, so now why do I start there? Well, because I remember talking to Pastor a few years ago, and, and he reminded me that I kind of I like changed the channel real quick on him because I said something, something to the effect of, well, you know, pain is a gift from God. And, uh, and that sounds weird, but it really is because, you know, there's a medical condition where kids don't feel pain and they live horrible lives. They walk around and break their, break their bones and their bones are not brittle. They just can't feel it when they step so hard that they break bones in their feet. If you can imagine what kind of force that takes, but they don't realize it or they jump off of something and they land and things break and they don't, they don't feel it. They can be burning themselves and they won't feel it. So living a life full of pain is not a gift from God. But that pain, that physical pain is there to let you know that something's wrong. I mean, you know, if you go to the doctor, this is my favorite example. Most of you all have probably heard it. If you go to the doctor with a railroad spike in your hand and he gives you antibiotics for the infection and... Uh, you know, a painkiller for the pain and some morphine so you don't feel it and some anti-anxiety drugs so you don't worry about it and he doesn't take the spike out, you are in the wrong place. Okay? Now, that was the joke before the stab because the truth is, you know, when we talked earlier about, about kind of what was running through my mind, I see the same thing happening America is the most depressed country in the world. We consume anti, uh, anti-psychotic, anti-anxiety drugs like candy. Like the sales numbers are pretty even. Um, and the thing is, why is that? And the thing is, because <clears throat> at a certain point, okay, in the same way, don't, don't run off further than what I said, what I'm saying. But in the same way that pain is a gift, a lot of the things that we call mental illness are also a gift. Your anxiety, your worry, all these things that happen, they're a gift. Why? Because that means there's something wrong. And if all you do is pay, you know, uh, cover that over with a drug, 
you never fix the problem. It's like going to the doctor with a spike in your hand and leaving with a spike in your hand. A lot of times you feel this anxiety, this pressure, this worry, because something's not right. That is your body's, you know, natural God-given way of telling you something's up. And you don't want to ignore it. Now, be very careful that I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. That's not what I'm saying. If you have a spike in your hand, please go to the doctor. But make sure that he's the kind of doctor that takes the spike out. Okay? And of course, if you have problems with anxiety and and how you feel and depression and all the things that are attacking us because we find ourselves adrift without an anchor anymore because i mean this is no accident i'm not going to talk i'm not going to talk politics and all that other stuff but this is not an accident you know this is not an accident that that the movement right now is to sever all the little cords that keep us uh attached in that place where if you poke us there we fight all those things are being cut to make nice little lambs You know, um, all I'm going to say is a hundred years ago, if the government would have tried to shut down a church, there probably would have been a revolt. But a lot of strings have been cut since then. And so now we all just go home. And sometimes people don't come back. All right. So my point, though, is that in the same way, you got to I always kind of think about it in the same thing. Mental health and physical health kind of go hand in hand. In fact, they actually kind of reinforce each other. And one of the reasons why, one of the reasons why, we, um, uh, why our mental health is not what it should be is because our physical health is not what it should be. And, you know, maybe there's some room to, to talk about that. But <clears throat> one of the ways, you know, that God kind of intended for us to regulate ourselves was to go out, do something difficult, finish, and go home, you know? And life today doesn't kind of work like that. It's kind of like you you go and you stew in a pot, and it's just hot all the time, and, you know, and then you go home, and you come back, and it's like you didn't leave. And then if you work in, in what they call, like, the information field, like most of us do, where it's not so much about, you know, putting this thing there, but figuring out something or working with people or whatever, it's more, you know, sort of more brain power, then it never turns off when you go home and you think about it all day long. And so all that to say that we live in a world where our, our mental health is under attack. It, there is, you know, it's like I said, I, I'm fully convinced that this is a movement to get us to be a little easier to control. Um, because, it, you know, <laughs> if you ask how much money people spend every month, the answer typically is all of it. So it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you make. I mean, most of us are old enough to know that we've had bad jobs, we've had good jobs, and we just always seem to be in the same amount of can't pay it at the end of the month. And like I said, that's kind of by design. You, you know, you walk into the store, you walk into the store, and, and there's a thousand different subtle clues to get you to, you know, there's a reason that the inquirer is right at the checkout next to the gum and the, and the chocolate, you know. Anyway, and so you're constantly being, your, your mental health is under constant attack. Like I said, um, 
so the question then is, what do we do about it? If you go, <clears throat> if you go to the doctor, like I said, the idea there really has to be that you're going to take medication, but you're also going to work on the, on the root issue. Okay, you've got to work on the root issue because think of it as, okay, I'm not telling you sit home and suffer in anxiety if you have anxiety, right? If a pill helps, that's fine. That kind of gets you back to normal. Consider it as insurance. Now that I'm not freaking out, I'm going to sit here and work on why am I freaking out? Okay, use it as protection. Okay, because I had a conversation with somebody a long time ago. This is a good place for a joke because it's getting kind of heavy. Um, we were talking about the, okay, so this was back in the day when speedometers actually had a needle. The kids are like, what are you talking about? And I was, I was telling this person, you know, well, that's just a, it's just an indicator, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. It could be wrong. And they're like, no, that's how fast the car's going. And I was like, not really, you know, it should be, but it might not be. And they're like, no, no, it's, it's connected to the engine. And I'm like, okay, so like, you know, if you're going to, like, you're going to crash into something and you just grab that needle and turn it to zero real quick, that's going to do something? And they're like, yes. And I was like, no, it's not possible. Okay, now, joke in the stab. That's what we do. That's what we do. We, okay, I have anxiety. Well, let's cover over the anxiety. Okay, now what? Now, whatever caused that anxiety, you haven't dealt with. So it's still going to bite you. You're just not going to feel it. What are you going to do with that? You know, how are you going to, how are you going to get better, you know, if every morning you wake up and put, you know, um, Novocaine on your railroad spike? This is not how God intended for us to live. So I'm not, you know, I realize that I kind of, I, I, I was supposed to get up here and talk mostly about the medical science, but, but I got to, I got to bring it back to what works. You see, the problem is with our identity being under attack. I mean, and like I said, it, it truly is. How do we fix that? How do we fix that? Because. Who wants to be brave enough? You don't even have to say this is something you worry about, something anyone would worry about. Anyone? Anyone? Nobody worries about anything? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> this was the wrong sermon, Pastor. This, this was the bad series. Paying bills. Okay. Um, one person feels like that may be a problem for some people. Okay. So here's the question then. The worry is, I'm not going to have enough to pay my bills. Now, that's a legitimate worry. That comes from somewhere. Okay? It really does come from somewhere. may come from your habits, your spending habits. may come from, may come from a lot of things. But at the end of that, understand that as a Christian, I'm not broke. If so, I submit to you that anyone who would have that particular issue does not see themselves the way God sees them. They have a mistaken identity. 
They have a mistaken identity because they're the broke trying to get some money. But you've heard it off the you've heard it off the off the platform before. We are not the the sick trying to get well. We are the healed protecting our healing. So you are not broke trying to get money. You have, I mean, in the area of finances, God has already done everything for you that he's going to do. And he gave it to you. I mean, Jesus did not die on the cross saying it is almost finished. And, and isn't that, isn't that, isn't that the attack that comes, you know? You know, I know I'm a Christian, but like how much time, how much time am I supposed to wait, God? But he said it was finished. So here's the issue then. So what happens is I totally understand, you know, and I, and I don't mean to sound like, like I'm there yet. You know what I mean? I struggle with the same stuff all the time, every day, because that's what it's like being a human. But what happens is you've got to remember that when you start worrying about things like that, when you start having anxiety about things like that, when, when, when these messages start coming in, there's a very quiet, you know, if you're saying it about yourself, there's a very quiet, I am in there. I am broke. I have a bad job. I'm in a bad relationship. I, you, you understand that you're being, this is a situation that according to that little voice in your head is never going to change. That's why you worry about it. I mean, you know, if, if you were absolutely certain that your outcome was going to be different, you wouldn't worry about it. Okay? So understand that those worries, in my mind anyway, are an attack on your identity. Your identity is a Christian. Your identity that God has made certain promises to you and someone else has told you different. Very first thing in the Bible that... that Satan comes up with is, did God really say? And all of this started because somebody thought, because of what someone else said, that God was holding out on them. So, what I would say is, there's, there's a very real sense in our mental health that this is a, this is a, this is a warning from the system that God built inside of us to tell us the way things are going in your life right now are not right. Something's not working correctly. Okay? The way you perceive it is not correct. So when you, in other words, when you start having these concerns, first of all, ask yourself, who said that about you? Who said you were, who said you were broke? Who said you were, you were sick? And I'm not saying these things are lies in the normal sense. You, you know, who told you you didn't have any money? Well, IBC, you know. <laughs> All right. But who told you that you had to stay that way? That was probably that little voice in your head. Because God was saying that, you know, above all things, he wishes that you prosper and be in health. So if IBC tells you you don't, and God tells you you do, you know, again, does that mean that we don't go through things? Of course we go through things. But how we see ourselves, do we see ourselves as someone who is going, like we were talking about last time, forgetting everything that's behind and pressing forward? That's, that's, all, we, that's all we can do. 
you know. But the, what we have to do to get that is, is we need to check our identity. You know, what's funny is, it's like I said, you can, you can identify as anything you want in the world anymore, except as a, you know, normal Christian American. You know, like you can go to school and say, you know, I'm a three-legged, you know, cat. And nobody has any problems with that. But you walk in and you go, God bless America. And they send you to the counselor for re-education. Not at our school districts, not yet. We're too down south for that to happen. But we also said they wouldn't have closed churches a few years ago. So keep your eyes open, people. Anyway, all that to say that, that what do we need to do then? And so what I would say is, is you need to take a look into the Bible and find out what your identity is because he's the one <clears throat> who says who you are, what you can have, how you should live. And then you back up and you tell yourself, okay, if I'm not experiencing this in my life, what's the reason? Okay. Am I not agreeing with God? Am I not working together with his plan? You know, in the same way, and the thing is, this is easier to visualize with physical health. You know, I can, I can um, you know, ask God to help me with my weight, which I often do. But it's not going to help if I don't stop eating cake. Thank you for the cheesecake that we just bought. Anyway, but... Yeah, we start Monday. Anyway, okay, but, but see, I understand, you know... Did God say cheesecake was evil? No. Should have. No. Anyway, he, he didn't say it was evil, but, okay, one piece. You know, come on, one. Okay, uh, let's just say I didn't get this way from eating one piece of cheesecake. All right, well, it's the same thing. You know, go and look into what God has said about, about what we need to do, because it's like I said, I can pray for health all the time, and my actions can make God's word of no effect. And so God has said certain things about your mind and said certain things about your who you are. And then the problem is if we don't, if we don't get on the same side with him, you know, it's, it's funny, there's a word, there's a, a word, um, I don't remember exactly where the scripture is, but it's, it's one of the longest Greek words in the, in the New Testament. Um, and um, and it's, it's one really long word, and it translates into many English words. And those words are in reference to the Holy Spirit, that he takes hold together with us against the things that are coming against us. But that's a very specific statement. He takes hold together with us against the things that are coming against us. So if we don't grab the rope, he doesn't grab the rope. Because he's not expecting us to win, but he's expecting us to try. Just like you do when you're trying to teach your kids something. You know, you don't expect them to do the whole thing, but you want to get them moving in that direction so that they learn a few things. God is still in the business of raising kids. Unfortunately, we don't grow up, but he's trying and so, you know, it's like I said, basically, the, the sum total of what, what I've got to say is basically just, number one, this stuff, uh, mental health isn't all in your head. 
it's really tied to a lot of physical, natural things. Your brain is like a funnel. And, and, and like I said, this is one thing that, you know, in talking to, in talking to younger people, well, and older people too, this is something that, 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 that it kind of escapes them. But see, your, your mind is like a funnel. Not every thought you have is yours. You know, the, the, the brain is a really complicated thing. Um, and what's funny is it's active all the time. And what it's doing is it's making connections all the time. I mean, one of the awesome things about your brain is that you don't know 99% of what's going on in there. It's probably a lot higher than that. Because what happens is if you look at all the information that my eyes are receiving right now, there's all the people in here, all their facial expressions, all the things they're doing. If I stop to think about every single one of those things, I would be frozen into inaction. So your, your brain tends to weed out a ton of things that are happening at the time because it's, it would be overload. What actually makes the what, what actually makes it down the funnel is the stuff that has the most connections. And so what happens is, so in other words, it's too complicated. I can't tell you why a certain thought pops into your head, but we've all experienced, you walk into, some, you walk into a place and you smell an apple pie, and mom used to make apple pie, and then you start to cry. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, that happens all the time. So what is it? So, so this little piece of information, that piece of information, this other piece of information, bloop, here it comes. You know, something that reminds you of your mom or your grandmom or, or something that happened. Or maybe you get a smile because you remember one time you were in a trip, whatever. You know, all that stuff happens. Okay? And sometimes it bubbles up so high that we can put the things together. But a lot of times it doesn't. And it just comes up here and... Uh, you know, it rises not quite up to the tip of your tongue where you can say it, but what it does is it, it, it puts an idea in your head. And then the mistake is that you then think that idea is you. And one of the things, again, I'm not going to go down a whole other rabbit trail, but just to say that, you know, one of the, one of the biggest lies that's out there is that people are born a certain way. And I don't mean, I don't mean, like I said, th- don't think too narrow. What I'm saying is whatever way that is, you know, oh, well, I'm just not smart. I'm just not good enough at this. You know, I didn't get the DNA for that, you know. You know, whatever, whatever it is that, that, you know, whatever it is in, in, in whatever way that you feel like you're not enough, it's a lie. You're exactly enough for your job in this world. Now, I don't know what that is. You've got to go seek God for that. But I guarantee you, whatever, whatever your place in this world is, you're perfectly suited for it. And so then the thing becomes, you know, um, all of the things that you, that all the ideas that you get that you mistakenly think are yours, when in fact it's not really you, it's just a combination of things, but then you start to want it. You start to gravitate towards it. 
And then if all of a sudden you're being told, well, you know, I'm sorry, you know, but no one in your family tree's ever been smart, so you can't be smart. Okay, I'm sorry, that's not how that works. It's not even how it works in biology, you know? So what I'm getting at is that, is that you have to be careful that you don't let these spontaneous thoughts direct you. Okay, they're information. You're first, they're second. All right? And so, I'm getting to wrap up. See, I'm almost done. So, I'm old enough to remember, like, when TV didn't come on the cable. Anyone? (laughs) They're like, cable, we're all wireless now. Okay, but, okay, so, old folks, do you remember with me that when you stayed up real late and they, you know, televisions turned off, Channels went out offline because, like, they didn't, not, not everything was 24 hours a day. You remember? Like, you'd be watching the TV or maybe you fell asleep and all of a sudden you wake up because now there's a, there's a, a little square with all the lines on it and the, your TV's going beep really loud like that. You all remember that? What's that called? Anyone? No. Test pattern. That's your test pattern. Anybody remember those? Okay. Why were, they, why were they there for? Oh, I love class. Okay. Those, those, okay, so everything on there, if you go look, if you go look at a, I mean, because the only place you're going to find it anymore is on the internet. But if you go find a picture of a test pattern, there were a lot of different things on there. That test pattern had a bunch of things on it so that when the TV repair guy, which we don't have anymore, but TV repair guy would go to your house, they could wait for that test pattern and see what was wrong with your TV. The different colors, that told you there were specific colors. And the guy had a chart. And if those colors didn't look like these colors, we had to make an adjustment to the hardware. Okay? If, and it was supposed to be perfectly square. And then there was like a circle with a little cross in it. And that cross was supposed to be perfectly across. And if it's like this... Well, then, you know, and so all of those little pieces on there were information that the technician could use to go repair your set. Because, see, it wasn't the signal that's being transmitted. We know that works because they've got their own checks over there. That was for us to check and see if our TV was working. Because what we saw on TV, that's how we saw the show. And understand that your brain works the very same way. What you're seeing, what you're hearing right now is a show that your brain is putting on for you. Okay? Because I'm sitting here. I mean, if you close your eyes, I don't disappear. (laughs) Half of you think I'm gone because your eyes are closed. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, but here's what I'm getting at, okay? So what happens is that test pattern is a way for the guy to come in and work on the hardware so that you can see the software is working right, okay? Because the adjustment's not the signal, it's the TV. That's your job now. So you go to your Bible, and that's your test pattern. This is how it's supposed to be working for you. This is how it's supposed to work. That, this is what it should look like. If it's not like that... It's not the signal, it's the TV set. Sometimes you've got to make an adjustment so that what the Bible says that you have, you can actually have it. 
You see, and that really, if I was going to say that I had a point, which sometimes I try to have when I talk, (laughs) my point is, this is what you need to be checking against. This is what, you know, your Bible is what you need to be checking against because that tells you what you can have. It tells you how it's supposed to go. And it also tells you when you don't see things working in your life, the way the signal intends, you might need to make an adjustment. Now, if, if you're doing, you know, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if, you know, if you're, you know, if your hardware settings are correct, then we just need to have a little bit of patience. We're a little more complicated than TVs, but it's like I said, the idea is we have to go in there and make sure that that we're not (laughs) you see it's not gonna it's not gonna do any good. It's not gonna do any okay, so just because I like to run with metaphors that overuse them a little bit. So you know the guy goes in and checks your television set and your picture's like this. And then he comes in and slides a book under the right-hand side of your TV. So now the, you're like, much better. Okay? That's what you don't want your mental health professional to do. Okay? He doesn't want to make you comfortable in your anxiety. You don't want him to make you comfortable in your anxiety. You don't want him to, to, to make you feel okay about... I mean, sometimes, you know, there's things that need to be fixed. You know, I can sit there and pray for healing, but I already know that what I need to do is get on the treadmill. You know? And so, the the trick is, if you seek God for what the issues are, again, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean don't get help. By all means, get help. You know, it's all funny. You know, somebody's, oh, medicine is a crutch. Well, a crutch is great when your leg is broken. Okay, you're not just supposed to walk around on it and keep hurting it. You get a crutch, but that doesn't mean you don't do your rehab exercises. You got to make it stronger or you're going to be dependent on it forever. And that's the same thing. A lot of times right now, and trust me, you're not going to get any help from the from most doctors. I mean, I hate to down the profession, but I mean, I was there. I I went to school in a med school, so I saw the way the pharmaceutical reps would come in and adopt first-year med students and pay for everything. Because once they got hooked on, you know, Pfizer versus this one versus the other one, whatever, um, they would stick with that brand of medicine for their whole careers. You know, uh, why, you know, why, uh, why give a pill from company A when company B paid for my you know, paid for my medical instruments. And they get them young and they keep them like that. And so a lot of times, you know, like I said, that's my own personal beef with the medical system in the U.S. is that we make customers, not, you know, patients that are healed. You know, if you can, if you can I mean, seriously, if I could give you one pill that cures you or I could make you buy this $50 pill every month for the rest of your life, I'd rather do if I was a drug company. So bottom line is make sure that when you, when you, how can I put it? Make sure that, that whatever help that you get, whether physical or mental, that it's not making you comfortable in your distress. 
you know, make sure that you start to address the underlying needs because, you know, and then the day may come when you don't need that anymore. You know, um, the day comes when you don't need that anymore and then you live the way, you know, the way God intended, you know, with the joy and the happiness and the peace that he promised coming naturally because you're not doing things that, you know, poke holes in your own boat. So, um, that was pretty much what I wanted to say. Let me see if I have anything left on my notes. Nope. Other than just to say, other than just to say we, you know, and stress really is a killer. It really does come from, you know, a lack of understanding of, of, of who we are and what we're supposed to be. You know, I, I, you know, I say it's an identity attack because that stress comes around because, you know, essentially things aren't working out the way you want. But also understand that, that the reason why that ends up causing sickness is because our system, our stress system was never meant to work like that. You know, if you are walking along in the woods and a bear jumps out at you, your stress system kicks into high gear. And you're either going to run away faster than the bear or you're going to try to beat the bear up. Either way, this is going to be over in about two minutes. <laughs> Probably not that well for you. But either way, it's over. Okay? If you get away, you got away. If you didn't, well, no more problems there either. And so our, our stress system is designed to kick in, escape the problem, kill the problem. Either way, we're done with the problem. The way we live life now is different because a bill is just like that bear in the woods. You're walking down the street and all of a sudden this giant bill jumps out at you. You can't fight it. You can't run away from it. It just sits there and stresses you out for hours and days. And, you know, worse comes to worse, years. And you're constantly living in fear and all it does is drags your entire body down because you weren't meant to be scared of a bear for four years. You know, the, the system completely malfunctions and that's where a lot of sickness and disease comes from. And so, you know, if you can turn around and begin to apply what God says about the situation, again, you know, things aren't nearly that simple, but you have to start figuring out I mean, at the end of the day, most of the stuff is stuff we know. I don't need to be a re registered dietitian to know that, you know, broccoli's probably better than cheesecake. You know, um, in the same way, there's a lot of things we put up with in our life because that's, quote, the way they are. And we really shouldn't, we really shouldn't do that because the bullet comes out one way or another. You know, the bullet does come out. And so the best thing to do is, like I said, if you, need, if you need extra help, by all means, get it. But don't let that be an excuse to not deal with the issue. You know, I've seen, I've seen it happen to people in the physical realm. You know, their blood pressure is off, their uh, triglycerides are off, their liver function is off. They get 35 medicines that, you know, they carry around with them in a big sack. And they continue to you know, eat for breakfast tacos and, you know, and, you know, their, their blood screens are better than mine, you know, and 
and you know the the it's like I said what it is is a system where you know they're speeding and the engine's going to break down but somebody taped the needle to 55 you know if you're going to mess with the if you're going to mess with the with the detection system you know you never really know what's happening and so like I said in that same way you know we stress out when things happen to us we should learn how to get to the root of that that doesn't mean don't deal with it but it means with while you are while you are using Trust God that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> that's it. No. Um, so anyway, that that's all I wanted to share with you. So, like I said, I hope you you take advantage with you know of the real skills that you're learning uh, in this series because they're going to help you solve the problem. It's not you know a lot of this sometimes is just the way you see it. You know. And that, that's hard to understand sometimes, but sometimes it really is just the way you see it. You know, you're, this information is coming at you and how you process it. Okay, I'm going to end with one story. It's not a joke, but, but it really is something that makes you think. You know, the story is there was a guy who got on the bus and, you know, big city. He was going from one place to another. And he was sitting there minding his own business and the bus stops. And this guy and three kids get on. Um... And the guy sits down, and he's just kind of out of it. And the three kids are running up and down the bus and screaming and yelling and trying to take people's things and slapping each other. And it's just a, you know, just a total mess. And, uh, and the, uh, the guy's sitting there and getting angrier and angrier and angrier because the guy's not doing anything about his little kids. And uh, then finally he leans over and he's like... Um, looks like your kids are disturbing that lady over there. You might, you might want to tell them something, you know, figuring that's the best way, you know, and trying not to have that anger in his voice. And, and the guy says, oh, oh I'm sorry. Uh, he said, we just left the hospital. Their mom just died. And I don't think they know how to process it. And the truth is, like, I don't either. And then all of a sudden, the guy's picture just completely changed of what was going on here. And it's like I said, 
a lot of it is how we see the information that's blowing at us all the time. And again, that's where the Bible comes in. How do we, how do we process what happens? You know, how do we, how do we process this waterfall of information that's flying at us? And that helps with that too. What I can tell you is that, um, you know, there are things that, that God tells you that, you know, if you put your trust in him, a whole lot of stuff doesn't, doesn't really matter anymore. The things that used to pull you don't pull you anymore. And so all that to say, you know, this is an area that you should not neglect. You know, it, it really is, I mean, a bad, a bad thought system, a bad thought life can ruin your day no matter how good the circumstances are. And so, you know, we have to keep track of that stuff as well. Um, it's not spooky pooky. It's not hocus pocus. There's, there's real things, you know, your mind relies on your brain, which is a real organ, and it really does things. But we have to learn how to control that. And like I said, the instruction manual is here. So, you know, every day we get up and we check, you know, what does my picture look like? You know, how's my vertical? How's my horizontal? You know, what's my color like? And, and you notice that when you start drifting off, because the thing is, <laughs> if you ever had a TV that worked like that, they don't, usually, they don't break, they go bad. And people are the same way. You know, they, do, they don't usually just, you know, they don't just wake up with a giant issue. What happens is they've had a little issue they've been ignoring for a long time. And so we, you know, <laughs> we go back to give us this day our daily bread. What do I need to fix just today, God? How do, I, how do I need to look at the world today? How do I need to look at my, at my work life, my family life, what's happening to me, my physical health, all this other stuff? There's a reason why he wants you to check in every day, and it's so that you can catch things, you know? Um, and so anyway, again, I'm starting to go off script, so. Uh, all right, so remember, guys, Cuba, no, um, yeah, they're going to be all excited because I'd be letting them out an hour early. Anyway, but like I said, I, I did want to just bring that, those, those perspectives in because it's like I said, that, uh, really and truly, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but the world is not going to help you. The world's not going to help you in this regard. Um, even at this point, uh, psychiatry is more about making money uh, than it is about helping people. Um, the, um, and so you got to you know, have, just like you would be careful about which doctor you go see, be careful about which counselor you go see, which, or, you know, uh, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever the deal is, you know, God still has, you know, God still gave you his spirit for a reason. If it tells you walk out, you walk out, you know, um, you don't need to understand what's going on. You just need to know that God has your back in it, you know? So that said, um, um, like I said, I hope, I hope some of this helped you, but, uh, again, I continue, I, I don't know how long the series is going to continue, but I would say, you know, get everything out of it. You can, because that's where the attack is today. You know, it's right here. Um, because if we can get your, you know, if your mind does not, if your mind is not healthy, you become very easy to control, you know, and lots of people, I mean, and it isn't, it's not necessarily, you know, grand conspiracy kind of things, but even just as little as, as, you know, um, as 
convincing you to buy this type of pants or this kind of purse or whatever. I mean, you know, um, there's all kinds of things. My son is in school right now uh, working on his uh, marketing degree. It's all psychology, you know, um, because that, that's the point is, you know, hey, if somebody's going to go out there and spend some money, they might as well spend it on our stuff instead of their stuff. And, you know, there's, there's the analytical part, and then there's, the, then there's the picture part. And so, like, I get to have really interesting conversations when he comes home for the, you know, for the break because um, there's a lot of things. There's a lot more stuff going on behind the scenes all day long trying to attract your attention, trying to direct your, your habits, your resources, you know. And, and let's say, I mean, if you don't think that that has an effect because you'll have, you know, how many people are out there stressing about finances that ended up, you know, buying a $400 purse when that's not even what they went to the mall for? You know? All right. All right. No, no, I'm done. But anyway, so like I said, um, hey, it's all right. I'm pitching it back. The, um, it's like I said, I mean, you, you really just, this stuff is real. You know, and you have to, you have to, you have to look out for it. You know, you have, it, it's, it's another part that you meet, need to maintain in your life, but it's not something where God left you without, you know, without help, without tools. So again, um, take notes, pay attention. This is important stuff. Uh, it, real life does hit you here much harder than you think, you know, and once your eyes open and you see the amount of stuff that's trying to move you here or there, get you to change your mind or think a different way, it's really hard to unsee it. Um, That said, um, enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. I'm going to go sit down. (laughs) Thank you, H. God bless you, sir. All right. Let's give him a hand clap. That was good. Come on, guys. Well, I'm not going to try to preach then because our clock's halfway there. I want to introduce and I want to build on something that H said I think is going to help you. And if there's a medicine that, that brings you back, oh, I'm on again, okay. Um, if there's a medicine that brings you back to the, and I'm just reinforcing what he already said, where you're not, your head's not, you know, in some stupid place, and during the process where your head is balanced, you learn the skills, which otherwise you couldn't learn because your head was, you know, in whatever area it was. So I think, I think that's the balance between medicine and skills, right? So 
Because medicine, at the end of the day, you know, it should, not always, but it should, heal. That's the idea of medicine. You know, I grew up in Mexico, and, and the Mexican doctors, I don't know, I just have a lot more faith in Mexican doctors, you know, because it seemed like their approach to medicine was always to try to get you better. That was just, and, and, then, and then there was like this big contrast. When I came to the American way of medicine, it was more like treating symptoms. And it was like this contrast, you know, because Mexico was like, really, let's get this guy healed and get him out of here. You know, I don't want to see him again. You know, because there wasn't the insurance. People were, you know, people were paying cash, and the doctors, you know, everybody knew what the way, the way the game was played. So there was no need to keep people like they do in America from now on, like he said, enriching people. So, you know, I don't want to. So medicine has a place, but I'm thinking, you know, as you process this idea, if you struggle, you know, with the idea of, of mental issues, and you say, well, you know, I'm taking this medicine or, you know, whatever, good. If it's helping you, good. Because somebody says, well, what about the side effects? Okay, but what about the side effects of not taking it? So there are side effects of not taking. I mean, if, if you're in a place where, 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 where there's a chemical imbalance in your head, and you say, well, I don't, I don't you know, the side effects of these, yeah, but what are the side effects of, of not even taking that? So you're just making your condition worse and worse by, by some weird idea. So I think the balance is, okay, if I can, for, you know, I'm just not going to get on this pill for the rest of my life. I'm going to get this pill so my head kind of clears up, so I'm not living in a fog. And while I'm, where my head is clear, I can start applying the things that you've been learning, the CBTs, you know, the emotional intelligence. You know, how to process your thoughts. I had this week, I had a, you know, practice with your preach, preacher. I had a, I was, I was logging my negative thoughts, and I found a, a negative thought, which is none of your business, okay? Anyway, <laughs> that's my negative thought, you know? But it was like, you know, my whole life, but I've never, like, identified it. And it was about being just critical. That's not, it's not a, like, dark, deep, you know, weird thing, you know? It was just like every tendency was to, and I, said, and I started analyzing that thought. And you know what? I'm like, you know what? I began to see it as something that wasn't part of me. But my whole life, I've been processing, like, that's just part of my personality. But then when you picked it out, you said, no, that's not part, because, of, you know, because we're here believing that this beautiful book made us a new creation. Right? So when you see these things, you say, well, that's not why I, was, I don't have to think this way. I don't have to be negative. I don't have to always be in the whole, you know. I can, in, you know, learn to live the moment, all these things that you're learning here. So I'm just saying, use the medicine, if you're using medicine, during the season of it, make the decision, well, maybe there are some skills I can learn on how to manage my emotions, how to manage what H says, picking your thoughts and so forth. Amen? So thanks, H, for that was really good. That's not to say just finish it. You know? <laughs> but anyway, um, let's introduce this. I'm not going to try to keep you all, you know, we're, we've got, you know, we're going to get out at the same time. And H said something else. He said, I don't know how long the series is going to go. I'm like, I don't either. I'm just saying, just as a show of hand, how many of you this is like really being helping you out throughout? Okay, well, praise God, most of you. So you're taking truths, and you know, little by little. And again, don't come in and well, just you know, zap me and I'm healed. No, one truth, like identify a negative thought. One truth about you know the things that you're learning. So let's let's talk about emotional intelligence. And I did I taught this a couple years ago, and it's amazing because now that I'm teaching it again, it's like a brand new teaching because I have a whole different perspective on it. But emotional intelligence is, is a science thing. I mean, it's not a science thing, but somebody, you know, I forget his name, one of the psychologists out there kind of came up with this idea. But, but it's a fancy word for just using management. Just management, you know, can, can you manage your emotions? And let's, let's talk a little bit before we introduce it. What is, well, let me, that's way for me. Let's not go do that. Here's my first note. It might not be on the screens. I don't think it's, it says, so the quality of life, think about your quality of life. You know, you get up in the morning, you go to bed at night every day, all the time. So that the quality of your life, 
in your everyday, and this is what I commit, will significantly decrease when we're not good managers of our emotions. How much pain, and this is a question to introduce this, how much pain, anxiety, and depression has an emotion or an uncontrolled emotion caused you throughout your lifetime? Would you consider this answer to be important enough to begin training yourself? And I just, I'm just going to break it down. Instead of saying emotional, the EI, emotional intelligence EI. Think about how many times you got in a situation where your emotions got the best of you or they were uncontrolled, and that emotion caused a series of events that now fueled depression, fueled anxiety, fueled whatever. Because, you, know, you know, you're struggling with a mental situation, so now, you know, now you're angry, you blew up, you had a fight with your husband. So now that just compounded into your fight. So, so understanding what emotions are is super important because, you know, it's funny because nobody really teaches these things. In my whole life, I've, I'm an emotional person, I'll be honest with you, but sometimes it's like in a bad way. It's like emotional, like, you know, you cut me off, I want to kick your door in. That's the kind of emotional problems I have, okay? And it was just uncontrollable anger. And some of you that know me really close said, yeah, 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 we know you. And hopefully those that you know me a long time, hopefully you have seen a difference. Stop nodding, Diana. Yeah, and it's like, mm-hmm, she's so sweet and nice, I know. But um, I wasn't the, yeah, H is like, yes, I remember when he was out of control, but somehow we survived and we're here, okay? So has your quality of life, question, big question, significantly been reduced because of a lack of emotional control? That's just a simple question. Okay, so, you know, you say, well, yes and no, okay. Let's break it down, and I think that one's up there. What would be the benefits? Because, you know, people, people want to know, what's the benefit? So I've just broke some of these down. You know, and I've been practicing some of this for a few years, and it's hard, and sometimes, ah, then your emotions just want to go, but I'm telling you, it does help. Because it's like what I tell you, it's a skill. Remember last week we talked about skills? You know, you want to play guitar? Anybody can play guitar. Oh, you're just born with guitar. No, anybody can play guitar. Anybody can play piano. I was teaching Cammie my three-year-old piano yesterday. That was hilarious. <laughs> she was just beating on it, but she was keeping a rhythm anyway. But, you know, skills can be taught. Well, there's skills to manage emotions. There's skills to pick your thoughts. There's skills. I love what I said. Not all your thoughts are yours. <laughs> yeah. So see, these are some of the benefits when you practice EAI daily, EAI emotional intelligence. So first of all, improve relationships. Better communication, increased resilience, enhanced self-awareness, improved decision-making, increased empathy, reduced conflict, improved mental health, and enhanced leadership skills. How many think that would be something good for your life? How much is some of this in your family? How about in your marriage? How about in your business? How about here in our leadership in our church? You know, it's a very important part. You know, there are, there are um, companies, you know, big companies that have, they, they take their employees and their CEOs and the big shots and all the important people as companies, they'll take them to full seminars just on emotional intelligence. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how many even companies see the benefit of having emotionally balanced CEOs and leaderships and so forth and so on. So now it's becoming like a thing. Okay, next point. Now, again, this is all introduction because we don't have time to dig too deep. But at some point in your life, make sure you look at that little note. At some point in your life, you need to go from wanting to deciding. That's the bottom line. And this whole series, from day one when we started, I should have probably thrown this one out there, but it is really how bad do you want to enjoy your life? How bad do you want to have some sense of management? Because if you want it bad enough, you're going to do whatever it takes. 
Amen? You know, all, you, all it needs is for you to go to the doctor, and the doctor say, if you don't lose 20 pounds, you will die in six months. Guess what? Woo, son! You're going to be running. You're going to be eating right. Because now it became important. Your whole life, I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose, that's me. I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. Until my ankles went out, and I almost died like a lizard in the sun. That kind of decided before me. So you have to go from wanting to deciding. And that is what this whole series is about. You know, 2023 could be, you said, but Pastor, I've lived like this. You know, you know, I'm going to be 57 this year. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, you know, I wish I knew that when I was 26 or when I was 20, but it's never too late to bring it home. It's never too late to say, I can't get those years back. I can't take all the strife and troubles and headaches I caused people because my emotions were out of control. But now I can do something, and the rest, whatever the rest of my life is, I'm done with living that life. Do you see that? And you're going to see how managing your emotions will immediately connect to managing depression. An emotion that is managed will not cause a depression. An emotion that is not managed will immediately go into self-absorption and all kinds of thinking and so forth. So emotional intelligence, the bottom line, the definition of emotional intelligence is very simple. Emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize, it's next slide, understand and manage our own emotions and pay attention to the last line. And the emotions of others. And that's really the one I wanted to kind of hit today. But we'll, we'll get to, you know, like I said, there's no hurry. You just keep coming or get online. You'll keep hearing this stuff. But emotional intelligence is the ability. So ability means a skill. We created a skill that we can recognize and understand our emotions, but especially, I think, in a way, even the emotions of others. So let's get into some, some scriptures this morning. Like I said, I've got about 10 minutes, and I'm just going to go till the clock stops us. But, but you'll, you'll have enough to go home with something. And I'm going to shotgun these scriptures, and they're going to be kind of foundation for, for this. You know, we're still in the same series, but we're taking this little block called emotional intelligence. It might take a couple of weeks, maybe more. But, but Galatians 5, 22, one of the most important scriptures of the New Testament church that you could ever, I mean, as far as personal development goes. And Paul says something very simple. It says, the fruit of the Spirit, and we've always said, you know, if you, you run around Christian people, they say fruits. I don't want you to say fruits, because fruits means you can pick and choose. It's not fruits. It's one fruit. So if you can imagine an orange with different slices, and because, the reason I say it's important, why do you get so it's fruits? Because people are saying, well, I'm really good at, at kindness, but I, I'm just not a gentle person. Well, it doesn't work that way. You've got to develop all of them. That's why it's important to, to summarize it as one fruit with different slices. Because, you know, am I right? So, well, I'm really good at forbearance, but I hate you. So, okay, that doesn't work. You've got to develop all of it. The fruit of the Spirit is. So this is what people can see. So when you say, I'm spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's the same thing as a tree saying, I'm an apple tree. That's wonderful, but until you produce an apple, I'm not really sure if you're an apple tree. See that? So when, when you come to church, our goal as Christians, and this is a very personal goal, because Christians have this tendency to, you know, keep picking people's sins apart when you can't even pick your own apart. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really easy to point at everybody else's faults. But Jesus said something about that two-by-four in your eyes, so I'm not going to go there. But the fruit of the Spirit is, this is something people around you, hopefully you can judge me. This is the only time you can judge me, and I'm open to your judgment. Say, Pastor, can you, read, can you find some of these things in my character? Because if you can't, tell me which ones they are so I can work on them. I'm really honest. 
Because this is what character looks like. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and here it is, self-control. Well, self-control is not just about, oh, somebody made you angry and you burned their house down. It's about controlling self. That's it. Self-control. So what's the next question I'm going to throw at you? What areas of your life, and you can, you're the only one that can answer this one, and please don't burst it out, out loud because it's going to get really weird if you do, what area of your life is out of control? Simple question. And I could almost guarantee, not all of them, I mean, the answer is a pretty big, you know, huge answer, but if we were to kind of zero it where we are, I could almost say, if you said there's an area out of control out of my life, I could almost say it probably is connected somehow emotionally. Well, I overspend. Overspending is not the problem. There's an emotional issue that causes you to do that. I overeat. I over whatever. I don't control my anger. Well, all those have a root issue. And many times, not always, many times, they are connected to your emotions. Because nobody really trained us on emotions. You know, I'm like like a really good grandfather, but not for the parents. Because I had Caleb yesterday. I had a great weekend with my grandkids. I love my grandkids. And Caleb, he's just such a good little baby. He's so, uh, you know. But now he's got the idea. He, he finally figured out if he cries, he gets his way. Huh? And he's only like, what, five, six months now? Six months? So I, I was rocking him, right? And he's like, ha, 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 ha. And then I stop and he's, ha, 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 ha. And Michelle says, you're training him. Stop doing that. And I said, I know. Payback. Uh, <laughs> I'm just messing, but you know, that's human nature. We get emotional. We get our way. Now you're creating something in that person that will stay with them for the rest of their life. So, yeah, I'm a bad person. But, um, no, that's not necessarily bad. The thing is, our emotions guide a lot of things. And again, back to what I said, you know, marketing is all about emotions. You know, how many times you were perfectly fine with all the junk you already have in your house? It doesn't fit. But something popped up on the TV, and you just figured out, I can't live without it, either, even though you've lived 50 years without it. So your emotion got it. So the system, you know, today we're going to watch a Super Bowl, which I just, I just really want to hang out with you all because, you know, I really could care for either team because Cowboys aren't there, sad to say. But that's an emotional event, heavy emotional event. There'll be people fighting at the end of this thing. They'll, There'll be people punching them like, there'll be relatives at the end of this tonight not talking to each other. Because a silly football game. Do you know anybody like that? <laughs> oh, nah, here we go. He's here talking trash to Cowboys fans. See? That's an emotional problem. When people don't like the Cowboys, that's a just. Anyway, see, they're starting this. Okay, Proverbs 16:32. Like these, we're going to come back. These are, I'll just give you a few more before we go. Take these home with you. Better a patient person than a warrior. Well, that was, I was actually, I figured I'd get my way if I was a warrior. Just burn everything down. Well, the Bible says that's not a good way. One with self-control than one who takes a city. So in other words, the Proverbs saying, you know, a person that has self-control is one of the most powerful people. That's basically bottom line. If you can control you, stop trying to control everybody else. Start by controlling you. Amen. So he says, better a patient person than a warrior. So 
we would say, you know, society creates, if you're strong, you're big, you're powerful, you know. No, but according to the Bible, patience and that calm place, because patience is really more about, it's not about just waiting for something, it's having calmness, so much calm that it doesn't matter what the clock says. That's really the definition of patience. Well, I'm just patience and you're tapping your toe, that's not patience. You just don't have any other option but to wait. Right? No, a patient person is one that has decided and is confident in God and confident in his face and says, I'm not going to move anywhere else out of this place. So that makes you stronger. Give me one more, and we'll, we'll, we'll stop it. And knowledge, 2 Peter 1.6. This is so good. This is so good. Because I think the church is, this is where the church has been way too long. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with perseverance and perseverance with godliness. Now, he's, I just picked this one out. He's going through a whole list of characteristics that, that will be developed, you know, when you start with patience. But when he gets into verse 6, he says knowledge is good. Knowledge is important. You, you need to educate yourself on everything you need to educate yourself on. But what is more important is self-control. You can have all the knowledge in the world. How many know that person that, know, that is very smart and everything but can't control himself? You know, and so whatever his attributes are as a person, they become very, how can I put it, in the reflection of his character, they don't mean anything. So you can be you know, all in and something, but somebody that doesn't control themselves, they don't have that respect. So emotional intelligence is really, you know, is, and the Bible is, boy, does it cover this theme? It covers it, and it covers not, you know, something that is not, you know, I, I always think these people actually read the Bible and then wrote their own books and took all the scriptures out and made a book million dollars, you know, because they take scriptures. And the Bible is just one story after another story, example after example of people dealing with emotions and people dealing with hard situations and dealing. There, there's one story I was going to share about David, and, and his son was dying, and he is in mourning, and he is broken, and he is contrite, and he just, you know, and then the, the, day, you know, the, the kid finally dies, and at the moment of his death, he, he snaps himself out of it. And he takes the oil, he takes a bath, and he says, there's no point. While the baby was alive, I'm, you know, I was dealing with it. But when he went to the Lord, it was done. And it's such a powerful, uh, about, a, about that emotional, you know, tidal wave that we face every day about different situations and, and how David processed that through one of the deaths of his sons, you know. So you see this, you know, you see Jesus, the Son of God, you know, he wept because that was the man Jesus. And we find two instances at least where, he, where Jesus' emotions are expressed. So here you got the Son of God, but he's still an emotional person. So what I don't want you to leave this building is, you know, emotions are not bad, and you don't want to try to control them. You want to try to know them because you know, one of the things I said right at the beginning, this seems like a long time ago, five weeks ago, was emotions, you know, because some people say, you know, they're not, or not, say not real, but, you know, they go down this path. No, I think emotions are real. And this has actually helped me. This little, what I'm going to say has helped me so much in my journey to, to process this thing. Emotions are temporary. Words aren't. Think about that. I posted that on, you know, I've been throwing these little, snippets on Facebook as we do the series. Emotions are temporary. Because when that emotion hits, it looks like it's eternal. Doesn't it? You know, you got in a fight, you got some bad news, and it's like, like this thing, and, and, and now when you're worked up, it looks like there's no end. When you're worked up into anger or you're worked up into some you know, emotional response, it, it seems like it's the worst day of your life. 
It looks like this day will never end. And the thing is, emotions are temporary. They have a, you know, shelf life. And, that, that, and, and here's the key to winning an emotional battle. And I'm just throwing little things out there. We'll get into a lot of structure next week. Is that one key say, okay, whatever I'm feeling is not going to last that long. So I've got to make sure I don't say some dumb things while this emotion is expressing itself because if I start talking bad about my, telling my wife stuff or, or, you know, telling my grandson something or telling my son or telling my church or my leadership, you know, what's the price? If I'm having a bad day and I just blow out on, on Lauro and Kathy and they're hurt, imagine what, what kind of price I would pay for losing this kind of leadership. But that's what I'm saying. You know, you've got to make sure that emotion is temporary. And if you can just give it a little bit of time, it will begin to fade, 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 fade. And once it fades, now you have clarity to make decisions regarding it. Well, those are exercises. Those are skills. Because now you say, when that emotion, you see, you know, you didn't know that skill because you didn't know it was temporary. But now that you said, oh, pastor said that emotion is temporary. So let, let, me, let me just, uh, let me breathe. Remember I told you last week about breathing exercise? Oh, that's really good. Amen. Yeah, I practice that a lot. You know, before we get on praise and worship, I, I, I do it. Before I preach in a little room, I do my little breathing. You know, get, get me back to, you know, base level and everything. But that emotion, and I had a couple instances even in the last few weeks where I was like emotionally like super irritated, and I'm like, no, pastor, practice what you preach. Practice what you preach. And sure enough, guess what? It works. I'm telling you, it works. Start practicing that. If anything else, start practicing this week. That's your first skill. When you that emotion, I'm talking about toxic emotion. Don't. You know, if you want to love your, your kids, that now that's not a toxic emotion. I'm talking an emotion that's going to, you know, at the, end of this, at the end of this situation, somebody's going to be hurt, basically. Because I'm so emotionally jacked up, I'm going to say something, and that's what I said. Emotions are temporary, words are not. You say something to that kid at three years old, at five years old, he has not, he doesn't process stuff like an adult. And you're in your adult mind, you're trying to, convince him of how his behavior is so wrong. But you're, you're coming from a 35, 40-year-old mind. And you're expecting a 4-year-old to understand that. And since he knows that, now you're worked up emotionally. <sighs> and then here comes the hard words, the difficult words. Because now you, you let that emotion go into the place of toxicity, and now you're about to blow up that, into that kid and create stuff in that kid that he, he could save for the rest of his life. You know, now you're damaging somebody else. So this is real. That's what I'm saying. Emotional intelligence to me is one of the key issues, you know, and going back to what, what H was saying in building note, to learning skills to fight depression and to fight anxiety and to fight all these things. So the more you are in control of them, let me give you one more and then um, give me the next one. I think the next one's a slide. Okay, let, let's just keep, let's say that one. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. And one more, you know, because the Bible has a lot of them. These were just my, my introductory scriptures. For anger resides in the lap of fools. Oh, boy, for all the people that we used to get mad, God just called us fools. (laughs) Don't be quickly provoked in your spirit. See, so we go back to where all this is going. For anger resides in the lap of fools. So those are just some kind of, um, you know, scriptures. Give me the, go go ahead, Archie, give me the next. I just want to come to one. Go ahead, skip that one. There. I don't, you guys can't read. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll tell you what it says. It just it, it didn't process right. So when you break down emotional intelligence into, if you were just to break it down into five categories, and you guys might not be able to see them, but you have these these categories, and I'm going to read them to you. Well, maybe if you give me the next one, though. Give me the next one, RJ. I just got my slides on. There we go. That's a little better. So these are the categories that we're going to be 
dealing with, and, I, and I'm going to close with this one, so you, you know, take, this is something you can start thinking about this week. So self-awareness would be one of the keys, and that's the ability to recognize and understand one's own emotions and how they impact through behaviors and decisions. So that's kind of what I, you know, H was talking about, I was talking about a little bit. You know, your self-awareness. How do your emotions, you know, how do you process your own? Then you have self-management, which is the ability to manage and regulate one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors in a way that is effective and adaptive. That's what we'll be learning. And, we'll, and everything we're learning, we're learning with the word. Don't think I'm over here to teach you psychology, and I'm not your therapist. And if I was your therapist, I'd charge you, okay? So I'm not. No, we're here to learn biblical skills that apply to real life. So, so, and here's a big one. The social awareness is the ability to understand and empathize with the emotions and perspectives of others. And that's the one that is really, really big. And then the last one is relationship management. That is the ability to use emotional information to effectively communicate, collaborate, and build positive relationships with others. And that would be, once you develop emotional management, you, know, you, you become a very good leader, a very good business owner, a very good everything, because you, you know, whatever you do, you're coming through that perspective. So those are kind of the things that we're going to be looking at, um, you know, as you manage these. So I'm trying to see if there's anything else I want to close with you tonight. Okay. Tonight, listen to me. Tonight. We'll come back tonight. We'll finish some sermon. Give me about three slides, RGC. I just want to, and we're going to come back to all this. I just, it's kind of a weird day. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Stop. This is the one we're going to close on. This is such a powerful scripture. I've been on this the whole week. It doesn't leave me alone. Know this. Look at your neighbor and say, know this. The more you guys cooperate, the quicker you're going to leave. So, Know this, my beloved brothers. Oh, boy, here's your instructions for the week. Ready? Let every person be quick to hear. Listen. Don't just hear. Listen. Because parents, we're perfect at hearing that we don't listen. Right? Come on, baby. You're good. Because before your kid ever said, you already know what. You, you, yeah, yeah. So whatever you're going to say doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you what you need to do. So, you know, here it says, be quick to hear. This is so big in emotional intelligence. Slow to speak. That doesn't mean talk like this. It means take a long time before you open your little mouth and say something that you're going to regret for the next six months of your life. You know, this is such an emotional, intelligent scripture. You could preach a whole series off the scripture. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Boy, that's a lot of information, Lord. So, you know, first of all, I got to listen more. I got to keep my mouth shut more. And by doing those, guess what's going to happen? Anger is going to come a lot slower. Instead of going from zero to 1,000 like most of you do, it's going to take a little time. You, you could eventually get angry. But you're not going to get there that fast. And hopefully in the, in the process, you're going to recognize the toxicity of that anger and say, well, I'm not going there today. That's the idea of giving. And you know what this is all about? It's really about giving the Holy Spirit some time. That's really what it's about. Because the Holy Spirit is your friend. The Holy Spirit is there to say, hey, dude, don't say that. How many have you ever, have you ever, come on, just be honest. How many heard that and ignored it? Raise your hand. Uh, Laura, you're, you're so honest. You're so honest. The rest of them are just a bunch of liars. I know, I know. They just don't want to raise their hand. I'm just messing you up. Because I, I remember, you know, I, we used to get, because in my house, you know, with my wife, you know, in my house, everybody wants to be a leader, and that doesn't work. Todos quieren ser capitán y no hay remeros. O sea, somebody's got to row the boat, you know? 
And we'd get into these things, man, and it was like, oh, my God, we get into these stupid, horrible, and at the end of the fight, I was like, we're getting divorced. And, and dude, it was like, what was the whole, well, it's, you didn't pick up your underwear, dude. I mean, come on. That's what started it? Anybody? Do you see where we're going with this? But if you have, if I would have had all those years, if I would have known some of this stuff, our marriage would have had a lot better times. Because all those were rough times. Come on, if you've been married more than a year, you know what I'm talking about. But when two people, you know, finally begin to manage their emotions, they can come to the table. They can have conversation. Not everything has burned the place down. And guys, as Latinos, or as Mexicans, or Hispanics, whoever you want to call us, we got to work a little extra. Because, you know, white people, they just talk things out. We don't. We burn it down, and then we talk. Come on, ladies, don't act weird. It's, you know, like, like, in, like in, and I, it's common, but like in Mexican Latino families, you rarely see, like, the ex talking to, because they're going to kill each other. The white people, they all hang out with the ex, and if they're married four times, they're all there, and everybody's happy, you know. In Mexico, that'd be a funeral. I'm serious. I mean, there's, there's, I mean there was no way that's going to happen. So we have that extra emotional stuff because of culture. I'm serious. This is not, I'm not just being silly. I'm serious. You know, like the family thing. You know, we love family, but at the same time, we love to fight with them. And so all these things, you have to learn to recognize. That's basically what I'm saying. Amen. Stand to your feet. That's our pause. Don't miss next week. We're going to really break this thing down. And I really think H, what he brought is really, really good. I'm still thinking about stuff he said. But here's the thing. I want to leave you with this. We'll pray, then we'll pick up this morning's offering. I'll get you out of here real quick. But um, you don't have to live. I'm, just, I'm building on what he's saying. You don't have to live however you live back there. You don't have to go, well, my family said, my mom said, well, in my family, everybody has anger issues. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says you're now a new creation. So you're going to have to decide if that's true or not. Because if I decide I'm a new creation, that gives me the ability to break away with some of these generational stuff. Yet in my house, there were, there's all kinds of stuff that was in my house. Do I have to bring it into my home? No, I don't. But I have to have a skill that teaches me how not to bring that to my house. Do you agree with that? So that's why we're here, amen? You know, it doesn't matter where you are with this. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. And hopefully, as you're getting the information, you're spending time with yourself, processing some of these things, and then encouraging, you know, becoming a better father, better mother, better business owner, better everything. But on top of everything, a better representative, representative, I can't even say, representative of God. That's the big one. Because when we walk out there, guess what? Especially in little towns, everybody knows you go to church. And everybody's watching everything you do. Now, you're not there to meet their needs. And, and really, I, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, but I do care what God thinks about me. And I do want to work very, very diligently for the, and this is the rest of your life, on developing the fruit of the Spirit. That's it. I mean, you're never going to get away from that. So let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for everything that we're talking about. And Lord, I just believe that as we grow in this series, we're learning. We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about how you wired us, how you created us, and you, yes, you made us emotional people. And emotions are a beautiful thing when they're expressed in their proper place. And they're there to protect us, and they're there to make us make decisions and all these things. And I just thank you, Lord, that you gave us that part. And we don't shy away, and we don't want to nullify it. We don't want to 
squelch it in any way, but we want to be people that honor you, God. And I pray right now for anyone that's listening online as we do every week that's on their journey, wherever they are in this process, I pray, Holy Spirit, that this week you bring healing and peace to every family. I pray over every sickness and disease from everything, from mental to physical to everywhere it is, that you are the God that heals us, and we will never move from that. Father, I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you give us wisdom for these things. I pray for everyone watching online and everyone else. And Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise this morning. I want to do one thing before I say amen. If you're here this morning watching online, if you never invited Jesus into your life, this is a great time to do it. It's not weird to just say, Jesus, come in. And then you're going to find out what that means. You know, people that don't have this experience don't know what it means. So if you're here this morning, maybe... You walked back. Maybe you're not where you need to be. Maybe you used to be with God, and you just kind of, you know, life threw some stuff at you. And Well, it's never too late to get back with Jesus. Amen? So pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, everybody. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're available. And today, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins, even the ones I don't remember. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that I can invite you into my life today and declare that you are my Lord. From this point forward, I will never walk alone. And Holy Spirit, I give you permission to talk to me and show me the path to take every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Give the Lord praise. Amen. All right, you may be seated. I'm trying to get you out of here at 12, but, you know, H, it's kind of messed the whole thing up for me. So. Nice. You guys enjoy it today? Okay, so, um, as you know, we have our, well, Cuba's in a couple weeks. There's some stuff that I'm not, I'm not you know, it's not bad. It's, there's, with Cuba, everything is logistics, logistics. So, Joed goes back home tomorrow, and, um, you know, a lot got done on his trip. We were able to secure that van. You know, we still got to pay it off. We got some time, but... You know, he goes back home, and we, you know, now we have a vehicle. Glory to God, right? So that's a big, big accomplishment. So I want to thank everyone, you know, for what you're doing, your health in Cuba. And again, if you still want to do something, you know, Cuba's an ongoing ministry. You know, it's, it's there. But more than, more than just asking you to, to support it, I want you to pray for it. That's all. Because if you pray for it, I know that the Holy Spirit will speak to you regarding your part. So I don't have to sit here and say, hey, could you help Cuba? No, I'm asking you to just pray for Cuba. Really, I mean, look, spend some time this week. Say, Lord, what am I supposed to pray? Well, just pray for the people. I mean, the, the situation is so complicated. Now, in that prayer of God prompts you to do something, prompts you maybe puts a desire in you to go to Cuba, it's not hard to go. You know, if, you, if that desire is in you, I mean, let's talk about it. See where you're at. See what, you know, what you want to do when you go. And you can go. You know, we can take you. We can make this happen. So, my thing is, just pray for it. Pray for them. Pray for the church. Pray for Yoed. Pray for his family. And if the Lord tells you to do something, well, it's all good. Amen. Glory to God. So, again, that's pretty much it. Um, giving information will be on the screen. And this afternoon, for those watching me online that are local, if you don't care about the Super Bowl, I'll be honest with you. There's two reasons I'm coming today. Well, I, I kind of like Kansas City. I'm not a, I'm not a bank. I've, I've, you can ask Caden. Um, my son, I've like, Kansas City is like, 
my sub-team if I can get a divorce letter from the Cowboys, which they haven't sent me yet. So I'm trying to get one from Jerry, but I, it hasn't come through. So, but what's going to be cool is some of the prizes. One being this hunt. If you're not a hunter, that's fine. Well, if you're not a hunter, you can take it and then just say, save the sheep and don't shoot it until, you know. But um, to me, you know, these hunts are like $2,500, $3,000. I know, I know because I'm sort of in that line. I, I understand what the prices are. So to me, that would be one reason for you to go out this afternoon and text all your friends and say, hey, you know what's going to happen at the church? There's only one rule. You've got to be present to win. All right? So, you know, let's make it a good time. You know, let's, I think it's a great time. You know, the kids get to hang out if they want to watch football. But every year we've done it, it's just been a really good time of fellowship. And, you know, this is a good time to invite people that would otherwise not come to the church. Because, you know, most people are like, really? You're watching the Super Bowl in the church? And you're doing what? Yeah, we're giving this and this and this and this. And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll be curious. And once they come in, they'll say, oh, you guys are almost normal. And, you know, I might come next Sunday. So let's do that. Let's use it. You know, to me, it's an evangelistic tool. Let people know who we really are. Amen. So, you know, if you can't make it, you got commitments, I understand. You know, I know the Super Bowl becomes a big family thing, just like Christmas sometimes. But anyhow, stand to your feet, and hopefully I'll see you guys this afternoon around 5.